Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. Hey there, hey there, Hill folk, and welcome back to another episode of Appalachian Intelligence. Uh, so thankful that you guys could join us for another week. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the last episode. You know, it was really, really exciting. It's a brand new adventure for the three of us, and we can't wait to, to dive more into it and tell you more about it. Uh, with you, well, with you right now, you've got Justin and Ryan. Lance is on his way. You guys know how he is. Sometimes he's uh, he's in and out a little bit. He's like a ninja. Uh, but today we've got a really special guest for you guys. Today this we have a he's a special event coordinator um, for Ace Adventure Resort at, in the New River Gorge area. I think it's technically Oak Hill, West Virginia. Um, this guy is the the big boss man from what I'm hearing from all the people. So uh, today we have Chris Collin with us. Chris, how are you, buddy? Hey, man, I'm doing good. How are you guys all doing tonight? Oh, well, I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited to talk. Yeah, man. L- loving life tonight. Uh, looking forward to talking with you guys, talking about the New River Gorge, talking about Thurman. We got uh, some cool stuff going on down here. Yeah, absolutely. And just for a little... Just a little prereq before we uh, dive into it. I, I, I came to know, uh, well, I met Chris um, on an investigation of Thurman, West Virginia. The Ace Adventure had put on a, a paranormal investigation for a, a group. I think we had like, what, Chris, like 19 people or something that day. I think it was yep. like around 20 people. Yep. Um, so Chris was leading this, this paranormal investigation into Thurman. And uh, just like we were talking before we started recording, Listen, y'all, I've been to a lot of places and been on a lot of paranormal tours and investigations, and I have never, ever seen as much evidence of the paranormal and, and something different being out there. I've never seen it more than in this place, in Thurman. So for that, you know, as soon as that night happened, I was like, look, I've got to have Chris on the show. I've got to talk to him. I mean, this is this is exciting content that, that all the hill folk out there got to hear. So Chris, man, uh, you know, if you want to, we'll dive right into this thing. Just, just give the folks a little history of Thurman of the, the new river gorge area. And, uh, 
you know, I'm sure we'll get to the paranormal side and the cryptid side eventually, but, uh, <laughs> you do your thing, man. You do your thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me on here. Uh, Thurman is definitely a, a super cool place. I've been visiting Thurman since I moved here in 2009 and, uh, it's kind of always held a special place in my heart. It's kind of always uh, attracted me down there. And it seems like every time we go to Thurman, we learn something new. We find out something that we, we never knew before. Um, and that's kind of what keeps us coming back. But uh, for those of you guys that don't know, the New River Gorge, we're here in southern West Virginia. Um, we're about an hour away from Charleston, the state capital. And uh, the New River Gorge is just probably one of the most beautiful places in the Appalachian Mountains. I mean, it is a, a thousand foot deep, wild and scenic river gorge, uh, class five whitewater, 100 foot sandstone cliff walls that kind of line the rim. So, you know, no matter where you go around here, it's like everywhere you look, it's a, a postcard, you know, Kodak moment kind of view. Uh, yeah. And that's what drew me here years ago was, you know, the the scenery, all the recreation here, you know, Ace Adventure Resort, where I work here, where you guys did the investigation, uh, our bread and butter is whitewater rafting. They've been taking people whitewater rafting here since the 1970s. And we've developed this 1500 acre resort here where we got zip lines and uh, aerial park and water park and cabins and camping. And we do all kinds of stuff here. You know, it's it's a, a super cool place. It's like a playground in the middle of the, the woods. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't always that way around here. You know, right now, the, the New River Gorge, it's it's tourism, tourism, tourism. We just uh, got designated as a national park at the end of 2020. So um, just last year alone, I think we went from uh, like a million visitors to 1.6 million visitors. You know, wow. so we increased by 600,000 people. Uh, just in one year alone, you know, getting that national park status. So a lot more people are coming here. A lot more people are finding out about the New River Gorge and this hidden jewel right here in uh, Southern West Virginia. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on here, but back in the day, it was all about coal mining. You know, a lot of people, when they think about West Virginia, they think about the economy in West Virginia. It was about the coal mines. And from, the 1800s, like 1873 is when the Chesapeake, Ohio Railroad came through the New River Gorge, really opened up this area to industrialization. Um, they always knew that there was coal in the hills here, but there was no way to get it out. So this railroad came through, uh, connected the New River Gorge with Richmond, with Cincinnati on the other side. So there was a way to get this resource, that black gold, out of the hills of West Virginia. So even before the railroad came through the New River Gorge, there were people mining in the gorge and kind of stockpiling coal. They, the uh, railroad opened in 1873, but the first gore or uh, mine popped up in 1870. So once that railroad came through, man, they just went to the bank, cashed in, you know, shipped all that coal. They've been mining out for the last three years. Um, and all through the New River Gorge, there was a coal mine town uh, every mile, you know, for, 36 miles, there was a coal mine operation. And these towns were company towns. So the company that owned the mine, they owned the house you worked in. They owned the store you shopped in. Um, they pretty much controlled everything about these miners' lives. You know, Most of the time when they showed up here, they showed up, they were poor immigrants. They didn't have two pennies to rub together. And uh, the mines, they didn't give them a pickaxe and a shovel and say, go to work. They said, hey, you you got to provide your own tools. 
So you don't have any money? Well, we'll loan you some money. We'll, we'll give you what's called script. And script uh, was money basically could only be used in that mine's company store. So they give you your pickaxe and your shovel and your blasting caps. And oh, you, you need some food. You got to feed your family for the week. They'll hook you up with some food. Uh, you need some clothes. Oh, we'll get you some clothes. And payday come around. All right, Justin, looks like you made about $20 this week. Uh, but, well, we got to deduct your house, your rent. We got to deduct that script that you've been borrowing. Oh, we got to give a little bit to God. You know, we got to give a little bit to the, the insurance. So, well, it looks like you, you owed us $35 this week. So, you know, you're $15 in debt. Oh, well, maybe we'll catch up next week. And next week you'd be $30 in debt and then $50 in debt, you know, and these people just, they never got out of that. You know, they live pretty much in indentured servitude towards the mines. Um, and it was tough living down here. You know, um, there's some crazy stories about, you know, the family life down here. I mean, imagine being a, a woman in one of these cold camps, you know, and you were taking care of the home, you're taking care of the family. And all of a sudden your husband, you know, 25, 30 years old, died in a mine accident. Well, you live in a house that's owned by the coal mine company and their motivation is to mine coal. They don't really care about your husband that just died. So it's time to get out of that house, pack up the kids. We don't care where you go, but you're not staying in the company house because the company man just died yesterday. You know, there's no like time to get over things and get your, your, uh, your affairs in order. It was just like time to go. And there's a lot of stories I've heard, like firsthand accounts from people that was like, you know, my second husband, it wasn't a marriage of love. My husband died literally two days prior. And I had to marry this guy, this young miner in the camp to be able to keep the family together, be able to keep, you know, the kids in a house and not out in the street. Um, so just kind of an example of that tough living, you know, and, and when we're talking about paranormal stuff, tough living leaves some energy behind, you know, it, 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 uh, it's something that can kind of be picked up upon later. And I think that's one of the reasons why not just Thurman, but the whole new river gorge has a lot of paranormal stuff going on. Cause there was a lot of energy expelled in that area, you know, a lot of hard work, a lot of emotions um, and all went down there. There were, it's hard to believe now. Cause you look around, it's just a, a river gorge, it's a wilderness, you know, it's trees everywhere. Uh, but there were thousands of people that lived in that gorge, you know, and that, 36 mile, 50 mile stretch, whatever it was um, in these towns. And from 1873 up until about the night, last mine closed in the 1960s, came more closed in 1962. Um, but really once the depression hit, that's when a lot of the mines kind of started folding up. And once the mine folds up, it's a company owned town. So everybody moves out. And then these towns, they just kind of go away. If you ever seen that show, Life After People, it was on like History Channel or Discovery Channel. used to do all this super cool CGI animation. Like what would New York City look like if we just like left it alone for 50 years? That's what yeah. ha what's happened in New River Gorge. And uh, in the summertime, you hike around and you can hike down a trail and there can be a 60 foot by 60 foot building, old foundation, stone walled, 10 feet high, 10 feet off the trail. And you walk right by it, never even know it's there because the vegetation's so thick. You walk down that same trail in the winter and you're like, how have I never, I've been down this trail 20 times and I've never known this building existed, you know? So there's a lot of super cool um, remnants of these old towns hiding in the gorge. Uh, the cool thing about Thurmond um, is Thurmond uh, wasn't kind of left to rot. Uh, Thurmond is still an incorporated town. 
there's actually a, a mayor of Thurmond, a town council, even though there's only like eight people that live in this town, they still have elections. Um, and the National Park Service has done a great job at kind of stabilizing some of these buildings and some of these structures to make sure they don't fall apart. So you can visit Thurmond like we did and um, see what some of these towns used to look like. So I've been talking a whole lot about coal mining, right? And that kind of like sets the stage for what was going on in this area. But Thurmond, this town we're talking about, the bottom of the New River Gorge, is not a coal mining town. Uh, Thurmond was a train town. So like I was talking about the Chesapeake, Ohio Railroad that came through in 1873, that was the lifeblood of this place. That's how they got everything in and out. There were no roads into these towns. The only way in and out was the railroad. So if there were 30, 40 towns along this stretch of river, you know, this mine has 10 cars, this mine has 10 cars, this mine has 20 cars. All those cars would kind of go to Thurmond and they'd all get put together into a big long train and that'd go out to Richmond or that'd go out to Cincinnati. You know, that's how they'd ship that coal out. Um, same thing going the other way, all that freight, everything that these mines needed to operate, all the supplies, all the food, that stuff all had to come into their towns through the railroad and it came through Thurmond. In, uh, I think it was like 1910, 1911, there was more freight that came through Thurmond than Cincinnati and Richmond combined. Wow. Like, think about that. Think about how big Cincinnati and Richmond are. And this tiny little town that eight people live in now, you know, more freight was coming through that town than anywhere else. So like 10,000 people a month were coming through there. Um, not just did you have uh, the industry, but the Chesapeake, Ohio Railroad in 1873 was one of two ways to get across the continent. You know, there were no cars back then. There were no planes. You wanted to go from uh, uh, Richmond to California. You'd hop on the train and ride the train for a couple of weeks. And those people would come through Thurman. They'd get off the train. They'd go to some of those luxurious hotels. You know, they'd gamble at the Dunglen Hotel. Uh, they'd stop in one of the saloons and visit the red light district. You know, uh, Thurmond was kind of known around uh, the country as like the Las Vegas of the East Coast. I don't even think Las Vegas existed back then, but like that's kind of like the reputation that Las Vegas has now. That's what Thurman was known for. Like that's where you went to kind of do the things that, uh, you know, you didn't want everybody else to know about what well, they say. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happened in Thurman probably stayed in Thurman. Stayed in Thurman. Yeah. Um, but the guy that, that the town was named after was kind of uh, a genius guy. Captain William Dabney Thurmond uh, is who it was named after. And he's a local this area. He actually uh, was born and raised up on Arbuckle Creek, which is right across from Thurmond. And if you ever come to Ace Adventure Resort, you'll actually drive along Arbuckle Creek to the old coal mining town of Minden. And uh, that's kind of where he grew up. He went and fought for the Confederacy. And he ran uh, Thurman's Rangers uh, for the Confederate Army. Uh, if you look up the Thurman's Rangers, you can find out all about, you know, the things they got into in the Civil War. They were uh, there's some pretty good stories about them and the things that they did. But if you know anything about West Virginia, West Virginia was the only state born out of the Civil War. When the Civil War started, we were part of Virginia. And uh, the folks in West Virginia sided with the Union. So during the early stages of the Civil War, there were some battles that happened in this area. Uh, we were able to drive the Confederacy out of here and break away and kind of form our own state. So after the Civil War, when 
Captain Thurman came back to town, he wasn't very well liked. You know, uh, he fought for the enemy and now he was coming back to live in a union state. Uh, they didn't like him. So they burned his house down, kind of chased him out of town. Uh, so he's like, yeah, I probably should get out of here for a little bit. So he took his family, he left. Uh, he came back right about the time the railroad was getting ready to complete, 1873. Um, he got hired to do some surveying down the New River Gorge for the railroad. And money was kind of tight. So they were like, hey, we can't pay you any money for this. But we got this 76 acres or 73 acres of mountain trash land, you know, at the bottom of the gorge. Uh, the land down there is so steep, you know, it's not really good for anything. But we'll give you this land. It sounds like a fair trade, right? So he kind of saw what was happening. He kind of, uh, with his crystal ball or whatever it was, he kind of foresaw what was going to happen in this area. And he, the river, I mean, it, it's beautiful. Did you go up to our overlook, Justin, when you were there, the Concho overlook? I know you yeah. went ziplining. Yeah, we did. It's beautiful. Yeah, one of those beautiful views in West Virginia, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and the reason why it's so beautiful is the river makes this 180 degree bend right there. So you can see two miles upstream and three miles downstream. This town of Thurman we're talking about, it's like right in front of you. It looks like a little toy train set. Um, <laughs> yeah. But because the river makes this big 180 degree bend, the trains had to slow down and they couldn't go barreling into that turn or else they'd derail and flip over and crash and bad things would happen. So Captain Thurman, he knew that the trains were going to have to slow down on this property that he just acquired. Also, right across the river, you got Arbuckle Creek, which I mentioned uh, where Captain Thurman grew up. And then you have Dunloop Creek. And when we did our investigation, we actually hiked between Arbuckle Creek and Dunloop Creek. It's like a half mile between these two creeks. Well, these creeks were like the gateway to the plateau. So down here at the bottom of the gorge, you're a thousand feet below the Appalachian Plateau, which is where Oak Hill and Beckley and Mount Hope and some of these other big towns, it's like we're 19 and it's where the highways, you know, come through this area. So there's a lot of coal up on that plateau. And the Captain Thurman kind of saw that the way to get this coal to market is down Arbuckle Creek, down Dunloop Creek. All that stuff's going to come together right at Thurman. It wasn't called Thurman then, but right at that property that he just acquired. The trains were going to have to slow down anyway. So it'd be a great spot for the railroad to kind of build a hub, to build a spot for the steam engines where they could refill on coal, which was their fuel back then. They could re refill their water tanks for the steam. Um, they ended up building a big engine house there to work on the trains. Um, all the railroad workers for the New River Gorge region kind of stayed. That was their home base. You know, there were boarding houses. They lived in there. That's where their commissary was, like the railroad company store, so to speak. Um, so, that's what all ended up getting developed in Thurman. But 20 years before that happened, Captain Thurman kind of was like, this is going to be the place. This is where it's all going to come together. The railroad came through in 1873. Like I said, the mine started shipping coal out. Thurman was kind of quiet. 1889, there was a bridge built across the river. That bridge connected Dunloop Creek, connected Arbuckle Creek. They immediately, they actually, before the bridge was built, they already had the rail lines going up those creek valleys, up to the plateau, they're ready to start pulling that coal out, you know? Um, so that's kind of how Thurman came together. Uh, it was all because of the New River Gorge coal fields. It was all because of the railroads coming through there. Um, and from 1889 to pretty much the Great Depression, that was, you know, the glory days of Thurman. That's when we're talking about 
you know, the record freight coming through town, the 10,000 people a month. Um, after the Great Depression, uh, everybody kind of took a hit. The demand for coal was down. Some of these towns, these mines started folding up. They kind of held on to the 50s, uh, late 40s, early 50s. World War II was wrapping up. And since we had just destroyed Europe, we had the Marshall Plan. So we wanted to go back and rebuild Europe. So there was a huge demand for steel, which meant there was a huge demand for coal. So kind of there was a little boost in that coal mining that happened here from the 50s to the 60s. By 1962, uh, the last mine folded up in the 50s. Uh, the railroad switched from steam engines to diesel. So now there was no reason to stop and get that water in the steam en- or in the water tanks. There's no reason to stop and get the coal. Those diesel engines could just blaze right through town. Um, Thurman laid dom- or, uh, dormant for a couple of years in the 1960s. Uh, John Dragon came to town uh, and he started Wildwater, which was the first rafting company in the New River Gorge, and they were based right out of Thurman. So from like 1965 uh, all the way up until the mid-2000s, Wildwater operated right there out of Thurman, took thousands of people down the New River, kind of blazed that trail for the recreation paradise that we have here today. Um, And I think you might have even met one of the descendants of John Dragon, his daughter, Missy, um, she's one of the eight people that live in Thurman, uh, and the dragons are super cool, you know, being in the whitewater industry, we've always had a, a great relationship with them for years. Melanie, who's John's wife, uh, John dragon, who started Wildwater, Uh, she was the first female raft guide in West Virginia. <coughs> Excuse me. She used to run our HR department here at ACE for a number of years until she retired. Huh. Uh, so super cool people, uh, great friends of mine. And they have allowed us to come into Thurmond and do these paranormal investigations. Um, it's kind of like this weird uh, gray area that we find ourselves in with the National Park Service. Like, I don't know if you ever investigated Gettysburg or been to any other place. Like, the National Park Service doesn't like to talk about paranormal stuff. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't exist, right? Like, go to Gettysburg and try to, like, go out in the battlefield after 10 o'clock at night. Like, some ranger is going to come find you and kick you out of there. It's not happening, right? So when we started doing these paranormal tours, the park service was like, what are you guys doing? Like, we don't know about all this. And uh, we were like, hey, you know, we're hiking. We go hiking during the day. We like to hike at night, too. And because Thurmond is this incorporated town, even though a lot of it's owned by the park service, uh, a lot of the property in Thurmond is privately owned, too. Um, so because of the, the great relationship we have and the hospitality of the dragons, um, you know, we're able to do these tours. And I think, well, I know that, you know, their big motivation is to keep Thurman alive. You know, they want people visiting Thurman and they have a Facebook page about Thurman. Uh, there's a lot of work behind keeping a town incorporated, you know, having these elections for eight people, um, <laughs> But there's a lot of, you know, benefits that come along with that stuff, too, you know, with the state. So uh, it's really important to them to to keep Thurmond alive and to keep people visiting Thurmond. So that's uh, that's definitely happened with National Park. I was just down there talking to a park ranger last week and I was like, man, there's a lot more people down here. I know we increased the, you know, the amount of visitors. I was like, what are you guys seeing down here? And she's like, well, busy day used to be like 50 people. So like now an average day is like 300. 
you wow. know, coming to that same, same tiny little town. Um, and, and right now we're definitely experiencing a little growing pains, um, you know, being a national park, everybody wants to come here, but we don't necessarily have the infrastructure to, uh, to welcome them. So, you know, there's where there's a parking lot where you used to park 10 cars. Well, now on a given Saturday, there's a hundred cars showing up to that parking lot. Like I want to go hike this amazing trail that everybody's talking about. So uh, over the next few years, we're definitely kind of developing some more of that infrastructure and, um, you know, making it a little bit more accessible for people to get around and get to these towns. But that's, you know, I've kind of stolen the show here and just kind of ran my mouth for the last 20 minutes, but that's, that's a snapshot of, the New River Gorge and Thurmond and kind of how it came to be. And, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the PG version of Thurmond, there's, there's a lot of, uh, Oh, the, the underbelly of Thurmond, I guess you could say too. Uh, you know, what I told you is what the history books tell you, but if you do a little bit of digging and you read newspaper clippings from the early 1900s, you know, in 1901, a local newspaper around here said the only difference between Thurman and hell is Thurman's got a river that runs through it. <laughs> and uh, Thurman, where a man dies every day, you know, and there was uh, one of the more famous things about Thurman was a poker game that went on for 14 years. It was against Book of World's Records, longest poker game. And uh, there were people that stop in and play poker and they'd win some money and they'd walk out of the casino and they'd never be seen again. You know, and somebody rob them, take their poker chips, throw them off the bridge into the new river. And that was all she wrote. And there was no law. There was no investigation. Uh, you think about the wild, wild west, the stereotypical, you know, John Wayne movie, shoot out at the OK Corral. That's what was happening down here in Thurman back in the... Uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's fantastic job. Just get, recounting the entire history right there, all, all completely off the top of your head. I mean, you were blowing my mind with all these dates and, and all this different stuff. I've been talking about Thurman for a, a lot of years now. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure that helps. I'm sure that helps, but you know, that's the, that's the really cool thing about, you know, this area that we live in, just, just Appalachia in general, you know, that we talk about on here a lot too, is, you know, you don't think, you know, you think wild West, you literally think wild West, you think, you know, Colorado and Nevada and Utah, and Arizona and all these places, you know, the frontier moving West and, and, you know, let's strike out for gold and all these people, but it was the same kind of deal here in Appalachia, in these coal towns, in these railroad towns, you had, you know, a, a surplus an excess of people coming into work and strike it rich or you know in in their eyes to strike it rich you know like you said earlier little did they know the coal companies were going to own every piece of their life but it really was man you know the, the town we live in is the same way you look back in the history of it it was literally like the wild west i mean shootouts you know happening once a week uh you know, even farther back than that, a lot of conflict between the the natives and the settlers. And I mean, it was it, it's you know, that's the kind of the, the lost part of Appalachia that people don't think a whole lot about, you know, and, and I think it's it's super interesting. Yeah, it's really cool, you know, how these stories develop over time, too. You know, fortunately, because there was so much industry here, there was so much going on here. There's there were newspapers that account a lot of this stuff. And uh, we did a. Uh, investigation last night, actually, with a bunch of our staff. 
And on the drive down there, I gave them this book that had all these newspaper clippings and, and they were just like doing some really hysterical jobs at, at reading these, you know, newspaper clippings, you know, there was a fire at the hotel Thurman in Thurman you know, and, and the quarrel at the bottling factory. Uh, you know, this guy shot this other guy and uh, he said it was self-defense. So case closed, you know, no, no, no slap on the wrist, even no harm, no foul there. Just go about your business, you know? So uh, there was a good record of things that happened, but even with that good record, uh, especially these raft guides around here telling tall tales, you know, you know how you can tell if your raft guides lying to you, right? If their if their mouth's moving, that's exactly right. So, <laughs> so over the years, these stories kind of twist and change and it's like, well, what's true and what's not true, you know, but what makes for a great story? Um, so if you ever visit the new river gorge, one of the best ways to to get that history is to float down the river and you'll go past these towns and and the gods in the gorge man they they probably know more about these towns and Thurman than than anybody around here that's what brought me here years ago um you know i'm i'm on the river less and less these days uh doing more you know running events and running these investigations and kind of pulling the strings behind the curtain uh but that's how i learned about all this stuff you know wanting to share the area with people want to share the history with people because uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff that that happened here and like I said every time you go into the gorge you can learn something new you can I've lived here for since 2009 and there's still places I haven't yet get to explore and, and see and check out are still on the list yeah well that's the thing man it's it's massive you know you're you're standing up on these overlooks or you're zip lining or you're down at the you know in the gorge at the river level and you're just looking around and, and, you know, it's like you said earlier, you have some of these structures that are just completely covered up, you know, and you don't even really know that, that they're there until you just stumble right up on them. It's, it's massive. And it's literally, I mean, it's just, it's, it's wilderness. It's, it's the deep woods. I mean, that's all that it is, but it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, you know, we have a, a park close to home, the breaks interstate park, you know, we share with Kentucky, Kentucky and Virginia. And, it's it's a really deep gorge that the Russell Fork River is cut out through there as well. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. So that's what that's what I love so much about the new River Gorge is because it reminds me so much of of the breaks. But I've grown up here. I've, I've been all <laughs> over the I've been all over the breaks, you know, so I get to go to this this new place when I go up there and visit you guys, you know, and everything is new. I mean, yeah, it you know, kind of looks similar because it's a gorge in the Appalachian mountains, but it's still different. You know, there's still so much different beauty and, and different stories and different, you know, even, even the culture, you know, you would think, well, I mean, you know, it's the same area. You're, you're three hours away. Um, you know, it's, it's so Southwestern Virginia and Southern West Virginia. I mean, it even sounds the same, you know, people, yeah. you can't, can't even tell that part apart. But dude, it's just I don't know. It's there's still so many differences there that I just I, I've been up there twice and I love it. I mean, I, I enjoy just getting out and exploring and, and staying there. And like I told you earlier, the staff that you guys have at Ace Adventure, wonderful staff, wonderful staff. I mean, they're they're great. Um, well, thanks, man. Like like I told you earlier about the staff, the staff's awesome here. I, it's because everybody wants to be here. 
you know, everybody that's here, whether it be the guides, the bartenders, the people cooking the hamburgers in the kitchen or changing the sheets and the housekeeping, like everybody's here because they love this area and they want people to come visit this area. Um, yeah, that's what drew me here. Want to share this with people, whether it be on a rafting trip or a paranormal investigation or, or just getting to come here for a concert. You know, trying to find ways to attract people to this area and, and show them what we got. Because the number one thing I hear from people, even people that live an hour away from here, like Charleston, state capital, hour away, people come here and they come here for the water park. They come here for a paranormal investigation. And they're like, they look at me and they're like, I had no idea that this was here. Like, how has this place, not just Ace, but like the New River Gorge, like just everything that's here, like, this is like a mini like Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge, you know, with without all like the crazy nonsense and crowds and traffic lights and and stuff that you, you get in a place like that. Um, but it, it just shocks people. And it, it's kind of like once you come here that first time, like it seems like everybody falls in love and they start mapping their next trip here and their next trip here. And before you know it, they're moving here. Like I, I have many people that I've brought on a rafting trip. Hey, they just came here for a weekend vacation. Now they live a mile down the road. You know, because and that's like not just one person. That's I can tell you multiple stories about people that came here for a weekend and it changed their life. You know, yeah, it gives me chills thinking about it. It's awesome. Yeah, I can believe it. I can believe it. It's it's a great place. I I love it. I fell in love with it. And just talking about Ace Adventure right here, man, the Lost Paddle, the little bar and grill restaurant deal right there on site, right beside the visitor center and and the the lake. Gosh, I've went there twice to it. Well, I. I've ate there three times, but I ate the buffet twice, and both times was a pig roast, and oh, the yeah. whole hog is just sitting right there on the bar, man. You just go pick off, cut off slabs of whatever you want. I oh, mean, those boys' specialty is smoked meats, uh, oh, pig roast, brisket, ribs, uh, and then right on top of the smoker, we got a uh, brick oven pizza. So our pizza's wood-fired. Um, like Those guys know how to do it right. Yeah, my mouth's watering just thinking of it. It's gosh, it's wonderful. No, my I'm daughter really, really getting the munchies right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you are. <laughs> Tell my that color of your eyes, you're getting the munchies right now. Yeah, man, brisk. <laughs> <laughs> I will wow. tell you though, it was a little funny story. Uh, the last time I went there, you know, it was just me and Connor, and I go up there. I got my plate. And Connor, he loves the chicken Alfredo there, orders it every time. So I go up there, I get my plate, and I'm getting ready to cut a big slab of, of meat off of this hog laying out there on the, on the bar. And there's this kid in front of me in line. <laughs> and he goes up, he says, uh, hey, mister, can you help me get some meat off of this? All I have is these tongs. And I was like, yeah, I'll help you, buddy. So I reach over and I'll start ripping meat off, you know, and doing all this and that. He said, gosh. This is a vegetarian's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you got to look the pig in the eyes, you know. But there was there was a guest years ago that showed me where the, the tenderloin and the pig was, and he just, like, plucked it out with the tongs. God changed my life. I'm sure he has no idea, but he changed my life every Saturday. I think about him, you know, as I'm eating <laughs> that tenderloin, and I'm watching all those kids go through the line pulling the rib meat. I'm like, yeah, I got that tenderloin. that's it man that's it well you talked about the paranormal side a little bit or or we talked about in opening and and you mentioned a little bit of it there um you know as i stated before i me and my son connor we went on an investigation there um and guys this is not just like a, a 
a walkthrough tour of the town. This is a like a, a four to six hour investigation. I mean, you're there and you're in it. Like you're going to be there. You get to use all this different equipment um, and, and you're at each place. I think we went to four or five different places. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, we try to do uh, four different locations, which is unique because, you know, most places you go do an investigation, you're like, all right, we're going to like investigate this building. Like we're going to be in this building. And some of those buildings like Trans-Allegheny, don't get me wrong. It's like nine acres. And so that's a big building, but we have an entire town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 73 acres plus the surrounding area as well. You know, so, so it's not just one building. It's a collection of buildings. Yeah, for sure. And each place that we went to, which, you know, that's, that's a story that we'll get into uh, in a little bit. Um, but each place that we went to, there was activity there. There was some form of evidence that we captured and stepped away with each place that we went to, um, whether it be, you know, just like visual evidence, which we videoed everything. Uh, y'all can actually find the video on YouTube. I'll post a link in the show notes that you can watch the entire investigation that that me and my son were on. Um, but there's evidence at every place that we went to. And, you know, it's like I was telling Chris before we got started, you know, me and my son, we've we've been on tours and investigations in some of the most well-known, you know, like haunted capitals of the U.S. You know, we've been to Waverly. We've been to Charleston. We've been to St. Augustine. We've been to Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, we've been to all these different places. And I've never seen as much evidence as I did in Thurman that night. And, you know, you started talking about just the energy, the energy there at the place. And as we were walking, you know, like you said, it was like a half mile hike from where we unloaded off of the bus right there at the bottom of the gorge into the town of Thurman. You're walking across the bridge. The trail alone is beautiful. Like it's a great little hike into there. But as you're walking into the place, into the town of Thurman, like, and and it may have very well been the the history lesson that you kind of gave us on the way down and you're going in and you're, you're pumped and you're hyped anyway. And you're just hoping that, that you get something, but, there is, man. There's just this energy that you can feel as you're walking into the place. You can feel the weight of the, the history there. Like you can feel that this place used to be this, and now it's here. You know, it's, it's a literal ghost town. <laughs> Literally, it's a ghost town. So just if you, if you would, just, just dive into to a little bit of the paranormal side of it. Um, you know, some of your... I know that you, like you said, you just took a, a team of your staff last night. Um, just dive into some of your biggest accounts or, or experiences that you've had while investigating Thurman or stories that you've heard from other people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of energy in Thurman. Like you said, you know, you, you feel it when you go there. And, and I always preface the investigations I take people down there with saying like, Hey, look, and, and this is God's honest truth. This is like how I feel about it. I don't know if ghosts exist or spirits exist or what's going on down here. Is it energy? Is it a weird coincidence? But I can tell you that every single time that we go and do these things, weird stuff happens that I can't explain. I, I can't figure out. Like, I'm the guy that's always like, well, why is that happening? You know, like we went and did an investigation one time and we were in this big building and you know, we're hearing this tapping and it almost seems like it's responded to us. And I'm the guy that's like going in every room and figured out that it was like 
this branch outside of a window, like tap, tap, tap on the window. Like I'm always the guy that's trying to debunk stuff. Right. Um, It's gotta be something pretty cool to impress me. Um, But there's always something that impresses me down there. You know, there's (laughs) always something that keeps me wanting to be like, okay, when's the next investigation? Like when can we go down there next? Um, And that's, what's so cool about that place. And, And when you get tired of, of one location in Thurmond, then you go to another one, you know, and as we've been down, doing investigations down there for probably five or six years now, and there's still places I'm like, man, we've never investigated that place, but we, we need to get in there one day. Like I bet every time I walk by it, like I just get this feeling like there's something we should, we should look at over there. Um, so that's, what's so cool about these investigations. Cause we get people to come along and I'm like, you be the judge. Like we're going to show you this stuff. We're going to give you some of the, the tools of the trade, so to speak, and, and kind of let you go out here and explore and kind of be part of the investigation and, and make your own uh, conclusions at the end of it. So it's really rewarding for me, I have to say, like to hear you say how how awesome it was and how great of an experience it was. Um, because when you're when you're doing something for like where people are paying money, it's it's a lot of weight on my shoulders. I always feel like to be like, man, I hope these people like get something out of this. Like, I hope something happens. Cause it's, I mean, you've done enough paranormal investigations. Like it's, it's called ghost hunting for a reason, you know, like something doesn't happen every time. No. Um, but a lot of times it does. Like last night we went down there with uh, the staff. I took a bunch of raft guides down there and people always are like, man, I want to go to Thurman and all our tours always sell out like way in advance. So I'm like, you can't go with the guests. I was like, but I'll I, like once a year, I try to set up a time where I take the staff down there because they're on the river and they want to tell their guests about it. And they just kind of want to see what it's all about, too. Um, so last night we go down there and we get out of the the bus. We walk over to the depot. The sun's still out. Like there's Boy Scouts. There's like 20 Boy Scouts standing right across the street. I'm like, OK, well, like nothing's going to happen here. Like there's this just the mood isn't right, you know. So I go up um, just on the train depot. So if you've never been to Thurman, when you first come across the bridge into Thurman, there's a beautifully restored um, train depot. And it was built in the early 1900s, 1903. And it actually burned like within the first month of it being in operation. So they rebuilt it. So it's, it's kind of the original building, but not really the original because the original burned. But uh, in 1994, they totally restored this building. The park service came in, they uh, made it a visitor center. If you visit there during the day, you can go inside, talk to park rangers. They have a really cool, like, interpretive museum uh, with some creepy dummies and stuff like that uh, set up in some places. You, you go in there and check it out? Or no, I, di- I didn't go in. I was walking the uh, the top tier of the place. And saw them in the window? <laughs> saw them in the window while I was taking pictures in the window, and I peed just a little, just for, for a split second. <laughs> I took a picture and it showed up. I was like, oh, good God. Oh, oh, yeah, that's just a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the train depot is is always the first spot we come to. And uh, it's definitely a spot we like to investigate. A couple years ago. Uh, oh, so anyway, back, back. Let me tell you what was going on with this group. So I'm coming here. I'm like, man, you know, I always want something to happen. I put the flashlight up on the railing and, you know, thanks for having us here tonight. This is who we are. Like, is there anybody here that wants to talk to us? Can you give us a sign of your presence? You know, one of the things you could do is you can touch that flashlight up there. I don't know if you know what a flashlight is, but it's that blue metal tube. You know, touch it, put your energy into it, light that thing up for us. Bam, immediately flashlight comes on. It's like we weren't even there five minutes. There's Boy Scouts around. It's still daylight out. And it's like, 
immediately we're starting to get activity, you know? Um, and they're like, Oh my gosh. Da, da, da. And they're like wanting to see my flashlight. And I'm like, look, anything that happens here, like is happening. Like this isn't staged. Uh, for a number of years, I used to do a haunted attraction and like, you know, had the actors and we jumped out at people and, and, uh, it was all about the scares, but I was like, this is not my haunted attraction. I was like, whatever happens down here is it's, it's spirits. It's energy. It's mother nature. I mean, this is a real deal. So bam, flashlight came on. But the reason I'm drawn to that spot, um, a couple of years ago, we took a psychic down there and on, unfortunately we didn't have our, our resident psychic with us when you were on, on, uh, the investigation, but we like to bring a psychic down there. It's just kind of a, a unique element. You know, it's just like a lot of the tools and gadgets we bring down there. It kind of gives you a different insight into things, another avenue to communicate with things. Uh, so Chris Delaney is, is a super talented medium and he comes with us on a lot of these with a different psychic who was almost like interviewing for the job. She reached out to me and she's like, Hey, I see you're doing these tours. I'd love to be part of this. Like, what can we do? And me and Lola met with her one afternoon and we were like, Hey, let's just go walk around Thurman and talk about things. So she told us a, a lot of really interesting stuff. And, and I could tell you a little bit later about some of that, but she pointed out in the depot, she said, yes, yeah, she said up there, she said there was a guy that was standing on that railing and somebody pushed him off that railing and killed him right there. And it, it kind of immediately like struck a chord in my brain of reading some of these old newspaper articles and knowing that the bridge and especially that side of the bridge was a spot that the thieves and the bandits like to hang out. There was the depot and it's not there anymore, but just across from the depot was basically a mirrored building. That was the freight depot. Um, so it'd be really dark there. Guys would hang out in those dark shadows. Somebody come across, they were probably coming from the Dun Glen, which was that fancy hotel casino. They probably had some money in their pocket. They'd jump out and they'd rob them. Uh, so I was like, man, this just sounds like this is the place that would have happened, right? Like somebody would have been on that railing or they would have pulled them up there. This is like, you know, where I've read about people getting jumped and mugged and all that stuff. So the next investigation, we were like, okay, we got to investigate here. We got to kind of be drawn to this spot. So I had the first group there and I put the flashlight up there. Hey, is there anybody here? Just like I was doing with the staff. Can you turn the flashlight on flashlight comes on and bam, gets pushed off the railing. And this is like the second story on a deck. We're all standing on the lower level and clear as day, you know, this thing gets pushed off and falls down in front of us. We're all like, wow. Okay. That that's cool. So Throughout the night, we, we bring about 20 people down there for each trip, and we try to split up into three or four groups. So we have, you know, small, intimate, you know, you don't have 20 people on investigation. We're like five to seven on investigation. Um, so throughout the night, you know, you can test this. We're not really talking to each other about what happened. We're just kind of like moving around. Like, you're done with the post office. Now I'm moving into the post office. So everybody knew what the psychic had told us. So it was kind of that that railing, that spot was on everybody's hit list. We're going to check this spot out. The second group comes in. I think it was Lola's group. I'm not hundred percent sure, but the second group comes in and same thing. They put a flashlight up there and they're trying to get something to interact with them. And there was construction going on at the time. They were redoing the roof. So there was, you know, construction debris around and maybe some tools around, maybe some razor blades laying around. And when you stand down there in the parking lot, kind of looking up at this railing, there's these four by four posts that stick up and basically they're to keep like a car from running into the building. Right. So somebody's standing there right next to one of these four by four posts and a razor blade dink, right into the top of that post sticking straight up and down. And even like, you got to think about that. Even if like 
let's say coincidence, because I'm going to debunk everything. Let's say like the wind just happened to blow at that moment and blew this razor blade off the roof. Like a razor blade doesn't have enough mass to stick up in a four by four post, like on its own weight. Like if you just dropped a razor blade, even if you dropped it from 20 feet and had perfect aim, like it's not going to stick there. Like you'd have to stick it in there. You know what I mean? And like, Every time we go investigate in that spot now, it's like flashlights come on, EMF meters go off. Like there's something to that spot, you know, and that's just one of many. Did you guys play around with the depot at all or do anything there? We did. We did. And the crazy thing about it is there was probably, probably the least amount of activity there for us, for our group. Okay. But I'm going to say, well, I'm not going to say activity. I'll say um, evidence, like, like, actual documented you know evidence that you could document whether through video or audio but i'll say this like you know of course we talked a little bit about the story you know we were you know asking questions we had the the spirit box going and all this different stuff and the only thing that was weird that you could actually document was the spirit box the temperature on it was going you know kind of up and down but you're there at night you're beside the river you know I mean, I'm a lot like you, you know, now I do believe a lot of things, but if I'm in it, like, I want to know that what I'm experiencing is legit. Like, you know, I want to know that that it's not just me being hyped up about it and thinking everything I see, oh, that's definitely a ghost. That's definitely a ghost. That's (laughs) definitely a ghost. So some of these pictures you see online, you know, people are like, oh man, look at this orb. I caught her this face in the window. I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of a reach. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's just a lot of, it. you know, you got a lot of pareidolia out there. Like <laughs> everything can look like anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the only the thing about the depot, and this was the, the thing with me, like, you know, Connor went up there first and was walking the tier and kind of standing up there or no, I'm lying to you. He went up there second. The first guy goes up there and he's just walking and everything's cool. And he's, you know, all of a sudden he's like, I just, I don't like it up here. I just, I don't like it. I, I don't feel right. Something feels off. I'm coming back down off of here. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he's, he's playing it up a little bit. You know, you're, st- you're standing in a spot that they just told you somebody pushed somebody off of. I mean, you're playing it up. So Connor goes up there next. You know, he's like, I'm go-. by this point, Connor is just head first into everything. You know, I mean, you know how he was on this whole trip. Yeah, he was a magnet, man. I told you that earlier. He, he was every yeah. time he talked or asked questions, they wanted to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'll tell you uh, a little later, maybe off recording, because these folks have heard it a few times. I'll tell you why I believe that's the case. Um, but anyway, so he goes up there and he starts walking, you know, and he's asking these questions and, and he's doing all of these different things. And uh, he was, you know, he, he said that he didn't really feel like the way that guy did. He said, but it's just, it, he said, it's creepy up here. He said, you're walking. And when you're just looking down this, this tier by yourself, you feel like you're the only person in the world. And I was like, well, you know, that's, that's kind of deep, man. I mean, that's, you know, I was just kind of picking at him a little bit. Like you should be a philosopher, you know, <laughs> all this different <laughs> stuff. So I'm like, well, I'm going up there. I'm, I'm going. So I walk up there and I stand there. You know, we have a flashlight laying here, this little uh, this little light up ball that you have to push to get it to go. We have the bell hanging there. You know, Lola was adamant about something ringing that bell all night long. <laughs> um, we had the spirit box there. You know, we had a bunch of different things that were kind of set up around where, you know, it's thought that this person 
you know, fell or got pushed or jumped or whatever the case was off of, of that ledge or that over that banister. And I was standing there and like, I just start getting the, like, like goosebumps, cold chills. I mean, from shoulders up to the top of my head, just these, these cold chills. I'm like, man, I'm, you know, this is, this is a little off. I mean, it's the warm night the wind's not really blowing. Yeah. We're beside the river, but so I'm like, I don't know. It's just if, if something's something feels weird. So like Connor, I start going down the tier and I'm taking pictures in the windows. And that's where I told you about peed myself when I looked in and seen the dummy, <laughs> but I start going, but I could literally like, he was right. Like when you're walking down that tier and you're looking down and maybe it's because every horror movie you ever watch, there's this long corridor and something is at the end of it or what, whatever the reason is. That's the only place that night that that I was at, and I felt a sense of 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 dread, like I felt gloom. Wow. Okay. You know, everywhere else, you know, it was it was exciting. Even when even when we were getting a lot of activity, you know, it was it was. I didn't have this sense of something's bad. You know, something yeah. here is is yeah. not not good. And and but, I'll add too for for those people that are afraid of the dark, this spot you're talking about. Is probably the most lit up place in the entire town. Like there's street lights, there's lights hanging from the building. Like it might as well be daylight outside. As oh far yeah, as right. It is right there for sure. And I've got a few pictures that I'm going to share in all the show notes too. You know, all the the evidence that I got while we were there. You know, I'm going to share all of this stuff. I'll post a link to the entire yeah. YouTube video. I'll do all that stuff. Um, but the, the weird thing that happened up there is I turned back around and I was audio recording everything like every time we got to somewhere and sometimes even in transit back and forth between places okay i was audio recording on my phone everything so like all the conversation everything it just just trying to see and and to document you know especially as a podcaster i mean <laughs> you want you want audio so while i was up there i was looking at my phone and i was trying to cuz i was going in between taking pictures and and recording audio and when I had my my camera up to take a picture, like it went off of my camera app and then back on, then off and then back on and then cut back off. And then my messages pulled up. I hadn't sent a message the entire time I was there. So like my messages pulled up and I was like, what the heck? So I closed out of that and I start and I clicked on my camera app and my messages pulled up again. And even on the audio there, I'm like, Hey y'all, uh, something freaky is going on with my phone. You know, like something, I don't know what's going on. But it's like I stepped out of this one little spot that I was in. Everything was fine. Everything worked, you know, totally perfect. Wow. So I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you could chalk that up as a well. These phones, you know, they they have glitches, and but it's just it's like you were saying earlier. You know, eighty percent of these things possibly could be explained away. The thing is, is the timing. Yeah. You know, whenever you. You know, just like the flashlight, for instance, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, but if you know, if you do this and then anytime you bump this or do that or touch this or whatever, you know, you could get a connection there and it could make the light go on and do that. Blah, 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 blah. But while we were in the red house, you had this flashlight up away from everybody. Nobody was even near it. And this thing wasn't just like coming on and off throughout, you know, the time we were there. It was responding to questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chris, Chris would ask a question, boom, light would come on. He would say, and here's the, here's the thing. 
not just the light will come on, stay on. You know, Chris would ask a question. Nobody's around the light. And I checked the light out. I held it in my hands. I took the top off. I looked at it. The light's sitting there. Chris asks a question. Boom, light comes on. Chris says, okay, we appreciate that. You know, they're super respectful. I mean, literally, it's the most respectful ghost hunters I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Chris says, okay, we appreciate that. You know, thanks a lot for, for letting us know that you're here. You can let it go now. You can let it go. You can cut it off. Boom, cuts off within a couple seconds. So, I mean, it's things like that that's like, yeah, you could explain that away. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you can't explain that timing. Yeah, the flashlight thing's kind of crazy because if you read about it, like like you said, there's things you read out there. It's like, well, if you do this and do that, like, yeah, the, the temperature change is going to make the contacts, you know, um, get bigger or contract and get bigger, whatever, and, you know, make that happen. But the timing, the timing. And also that flashlight sat there all night. There were three groups that came through there that night. The only thing that or the only group that flashlight responded to was your group. Didn't go off for the first group, didn't go off for the second or the group that came in after you. But with you guys, it went off. And not only did it just go off, but like you said, it was like intelligent conversation. Last night when we were down there and I was talking about the flashlight going off, you know, within the first five minutes that we were down there, we went to multiple other locations throughout the night. I set that flashlight up at every single location we went to. I set it up the exact same way. I set it up the very first time. The only time that flashlight responded last night was that first time that I just told you about on the depot the rest of the night we got other evidence we got other things that happened but that flashlight never turned itself on yeah that's crazy it's crazy man it really is so what else did you get what else did you get last night um so we were hanging out in the red house so um we went down the tracks and one of the properties that's privately owned, we're able to go inside of, and I'll definitely just throw this out there. Like if you want to go do an investigation in Thurman and check out Thurman, there are lots of places that you can just drive down there and check out. And most of the activity I get is not inside a building. It's like out on the streets or, you know, in certain places, but it's not inside the building. So the, I just say, make my plea, please don't go inside of these buildings. Uh, A lot of them are unsafe. You know, you might go into a building and fall through two stories and end up in the basement and nobody knows you're there. And then you're in a world of trouble. Um, uh, A lot of vandalism happens in Thurman, unfortunately. So a lot of these buildings, you know, the park service replaces a window and repaints it with that gold leaf. Like it used to be in the 1920s. And somebody comes in, smashes it with a brick. You know, so please, please don't be that person. Visit Thurman, but but be respectful. And like you said, we try to be respectful in the way we talk to the spirits, because if these truly are spirits, they're people just like you and me, we can talk just like me and you and me. I don't think you'd respond too well on this podcast if I was like, Justin, this is what I want you to do. And, and tell me about this right now. And if you don't, then there's going to be hell to pay, you know, like nobody wants to respond to that. So if these are ghosts and these are spirits, then like you got to talk to them like they're people. Um, so, so yeah, we definitely try to be respectful, but um, the red house is, is special. Um, and it's one of the reasons why you should come on one of these tours with us. A lot of people give me flack and they're like, why do I need to go on one of your tours? Like I can just go to Thurman any night of the week. And I'm like, yeah, you can probably go to Thurman any night of the week, but you can't go in the post office. You can't go in the red house. I bet you don't have an SLS camera and you probably don't have uh, this or that, or, you know, so like, and you don't know about the history and it's like, so yeah, you can totally go down there and check it out. But like, 
we're going to try to give you a little bit more than if you would just go down there on your own. You know, that's, that's why you would sign up to take one of these tours. So, so the red house is a building that's down what's called the lower end. And it was originally, it was built in the early 1920s. It was uh, owned by the Chesapeake, Ohio railroad. So some work, railroad workers lived in there. We think through the research that we've gathered that there was a doctor that lived in there predominantly. Um, and he would get on the railroad and go to Hinton, which was probably 40 miles up the tracks and he'd come back and he'd stop at towns along the way and treat people and, and do what he needed to do. But thinking about a doctor in the early 1900s, I'm sure a lot of people came to him, you know, in the middle of the night, something was going on. They probably showed up on his doorstep. So there might've been medical procedures that happened inside the red house. Um, there were a couple families that lived in there after the Chesapeake, Ohio railroad sold it. So there was a number of, uh, of different groups that kind of came through there. Uh, we always get activity in the Red House. Um, no matter if it's flashlight communication, SLS, people getting touched, uh, something always happens there. So last night we went in there and we had the SLS camera out, which if you're not familiar, a lot of people know it from like the ghost hunter shows or whatever. It's like that camera that makes people look like a stick figure. Uh, it, it's the Xbox connect sensor, uh, and it, it shoots out a bunch of laser beams essentially and maps what's going on in 3d space. So, um, a lot of times these cameras will pick up a person that's not really there. Is it a spirit? Is it energy? Is it, you know, and, and paranormal investigators have come to use these cameras to kind of map these spirits or map the, this energy, um, and, we always get activity in the red house. And it, it's crazy because like, like last night we used the SLS camera in three places. And the only place that we got activity was in the red house with it. So kind of like I was talking with the flashlight, we're using it in the same way, in the same fashion, and you're getting different results, you know? It's, so it's not like this camera's just like programmed to do this, you know, because it's an app and it's made for ghost hunting. So I always got to take that with a grain of salt, you know, when I'm, when I'm using equipment like that, like, well, this is made to find spirits. So is it really finding spirits or is it just showing me what I want to see? Um, but we had a person sitting in a chair and SLS figure starts getting mapped and she's not seeing the camera. We're seeing the camera. Obviously we're like, Oh, something's happening. Da, da, da. But she told me at the end of the night, she said, when that was happening, it felt like somebody was caressing her back. Not super hard. Just like somebody was rubbing the back of her back nice and slow. Um, when wow. you guys were there, we didn't go upstairs because uh, there were some holes in the floor. Uh, but because these guys were my staff and and not like paying guests, I felt a little bit more comfortable letting them go explore the uh, the second floor where they might end up on the first floor. Um, so we went upstairs and we were sitting in this. We we're in the front room because we always get a lot of activity in the front room. And, and I can tell you about the craziest thing that ever happened in Thurman happened in that front room. I can tell you about that later. But this guy, Jason, that was with us last night, he was the magnet. He was, Connor was the magnet when we did the investigation a couple of weeks ago. My friend Jason was the magnet last night. And same thing. Every time he asked a question, every time he got in there, like we'd get activity. So Jason, I gave him the SLS camera and he went and sat in this back room that nobody else was in. And he was able to get a figure come up on the camera. And he was just like super patient. He just stayed there for like 20 minutes and everybody had left the house. Like everybody was kind of ready to move on to the next spot. And Jason was just like chilling with his figure, watching it, talking to it, interacting with it, trying to get it to touch him. And it actually did reach out and touched him. You know, you could see on the screen, it touched him. And 
not only did you see it touch him on the screen, but Jason claims that he felt the pressure as if somebody reached out and shook your hand, that pressure that you would feel. He said he felt that. Um, so last night, two people claimed that they got touched in the Red House. Um, and that leads me to the story I was just alluding to, the craziest thing that ever happened on one of these tours um, was in the Red House. And uh, that psychic I mentioned, Chris Delaney, he was with us. And he took one step in the house that night. And he said, I can't go in there. So I have feelings of strangulation. Something bad has happened in that house. I, I can't go in there. So we went in there and we kind of did the group thing like we all did on the first floor. And then I took people upstairs, like two and three people at a time. Because again, second story, old house. I don't want, you know, seven, eight people up there all at once. Um, so I took the first group up there. There's a spot up there that we kind of always, there's a closet that the figure always comes out of the closet and kind of interacts with us. So the first group came up, got that interaction that we always get there. They went back down. I was waiting for the second group to come up and they're renovating this house. Now they're trying to turn it into like a, a rental and Airbnb. But back then it was just a, an abandoned house. They hadn't started any of these renovations yet. So the front window was just a hole in the wall. It wasn't an actual window. And Chris, the psychic was out in the street and he said, Chris, you need to come out of there. He said, I, I get in this feeling. He said, something bad's going to happen. You need to come out of there. And I'm up there like laughing, like, <laughs> Chris, I'm fine. Nothing's going to happen. I just, this is what we do up here. Like I'm going to spend the night. I'm like joking with him. I'm like, come on, bring your sleeping bag, bub. Let's spend the night up here. We'll have a good time. I'm not worried about anything. Kind of being a little cocky. Right. So the next group comes up and it was like two girls and a guy. And we have the SLS camera and we're pointing at the closet and the figure comes out and it does its thing. And it's always like, I got to add like the figure upstairs. It's always the same. It's like this tall, skinny, like overarching, like kind of like, clawing down on you sort of thing um like i don't want to be stereotypical but almost like the slender man you know um so we're up there we're watching this thing all of a sudden bam it disappears off the screen pretty much like as soon as it disappears off the screen the girl immediately to my right like hunches over like keels over and best i can describe it starts being like hysterical and i'm like oh my god what's wrong are you okay are you okay can i help you and she's looking at me and she's like, she's like trying to talk. She's trying to say something, but nothing's coming out. I'm like, okay, we need to get out of here. So I grab her. I take her downstairs. I take her out of the house. As soon as we get out the back door, she starts, <laughs> she starts catching her breath. We get her out in the street. We calm her down. What's wrong? What happened? Can you tell us what happened? She said, it felt like somebody smacked her in the side of the head and then had a hold of her neck and was strangling her neck. And remember, about a half hour before this, the psychic told us he had feelings of strangulation. Now, if, if this girl like heard the psychic say that, because this is something he said to me, he didn't like announce it to the group. If this girl heard him say that and like acted that out, like she should be in Hollywood right now because this was like the best Oscar women winning performance I like could imagine. Like this was the real deal. This girl freaked out, and it was kind of interesting because it was only like halfway through the night, and. Uh, Back then, we didn't split up into groups. We did like the 20 people and everybody was like, we're done. We don't want to do anymore. And Chris said, I have some sage. I'm going to sage myself. Does anybody want any sage? And like all 20 people lined up and got like the saging from Chris before we went home that night. So that that was the most wild thing that happened down there. Um, and I, I try not to like 
antagonize the ghost. Like you said, we try to be respectful. Um, when I was down there with the guests la- or the, the staff last night, I was, I was a little more liberal and I was definitely like, Oh, you like to touch people. Will you touch me? Come on, touch me. It's just something I don't like to put out there and nothing happened, but you know, I, I, I'd take it if it gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that's gosh, that's a crazy story. I mean, I couldn't imagine being in a group and seeing that happen or especially have it happen. But, you know, you were talking about the Red House and 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 the constant activity and, and every time that you're there, you know, picking something up. And like you said, Connor, my son, he, he was a magnet. Literally the entire night, he was a magnet. Um, but it was the same kind of thing. You know, you were operating the SLS camera there. He was sitting off, you know, like underneath the staircase and he stood up, you know, and he was just kind of acting goofy and waving his arms around and holding his arms out and, you know, just mapping this SLS was mapping him. And every time, again, every time that he would speak or whatever, you would have this, this figure uh, that would pop up at like the top of the staircase. And, you know, almost like, and I think I even said at the end, it's almost like a kid or something that you have company in the house and you're saying, you know, Hey, little, such and such, come on down here and and talk to, and they're just kind of really shy and they're peeking around, you know, the top of the steps and they don't really want to come down. That's how this thing was. And that happened for shoot, probably 15, 20 minutes. But when Connor was standing there again, there there was like two more of these figures that popped up close to the door and we weren't really expressing, you know, we would say, Oh, there's one. There's one, you know, because of course you're excited when you see all this stuff popping up in a completely pitch black room, you know, you just have a candle going. Um, but you would say stuff like that, but you wouldn't really express all of the the information. You wouldn't communicate with whoever these figures are beside of, hey, they're here, they're there, they're they're doing this, they're doing that. And with Connor, it was the same kind of thing. He was standing there holding his arms out, and he was like, Man, my right hand or whichever hand is really tingling. You know, it's really tingling. And at that time, if you're looking at the SLS camera, at the monitor, you can see this thing like it looks like their figures, their hands are touching. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's, you know, if somebody would have been like, you know, hey, this thing's touching your hand right now. And then Carmen, be like, oh, yeah. Okay. I could I could play it off. But when he says, gosh, my hand's tingling. And then I'm like, well, yeah, there's probably a good reason for that. Because <laughs> we're watching this, yeah, this figure all getting mapped here right next to you. Yeah, this yeah. thing is holding your hand right now. So, yeah. I mean. And, and I'll tell you, it's interesting because, you know, when you come out, and you, like you guys were just kind of part of one investigation. You know, you saw that incident. You kind of experienced it. Super cool. But in doing this for five or six years now, like, we're starting to put, like, pieces of this story puzzle together. When we first started going in the red house, I didn't know anything about it. I knew it was an abandoned house that looked creepy that I was allowed to take people into. (laughs) And that's why we started going in there. And then all of a sudden this stuff starts happening and it's like, huh, maybe there's something to this. And, and people around here, whether it be guides or just, you know, people I meet that are locals, when they find out that we do these investigations, they always want to talk to me about Thurman. Oh yeah, we go to Thurman. Oh man, let me tell you about the weird things that I've experienced down in Thurman. And I always let them lead the conversation. Like I don't ever be like, oh yeah, we go in the red house and ooh, it's crazy in there. I'm just, no, I don't tell them any of that. I'm like, yeah, well tell me about your experience. What happened to you down in Thurman? And so many people are like that red house, man, we were walking down the street and like, 
there was a figure watching us out the window, you know, or another guy told me uh, he was with a bunch of friends and his friends went inside the house and he was kind of weirded out. So he didn't want to go in the house and he stood out in the street, kind of like the psychic did. And a rock, like think about the rock, you know, two, three inch rock that's on the side of the railroad grade got thrown and hit him in the back, left a bruise on his back, you know, hit him that hard. Um, and I've stood there on the porch of the red house. Like, you know, cause when you guys came in the investigation, I kind of like hold the red house down and work with each group as they come through there and kind of make sure it's respected and taken care of. Um, and I've stood there on the porch, like waiting for the next group to come. And I hear rocks. Like if somebody's in the bushes, throwing rocks. It's like, you know, bouncing across. So it, it's not just our groups that are kind of drawn to that place. Like, there's so many other stories about weird things that ha- have happened there. And, and at one point I was worried that it was like something demonic because we'd get like putrid smells. Like you'd walk upstairs and smell like the worst cat pee you can imagine. And then two minutes later, it's like, I don't smell the cat pee anymore. Where'd that smell go? You know, and like, and just different things that like, you know, people are like, these are the red flags for demonic stuff. Like when you start seeing this, like, it's not time to stay there. It's time to go the other way. You know, when you do this, you got to learn how to protect yourself a little bit. And, um, you know, psychics have told us that it's not a demonic thing there. It's just a, it's a negative energy. It's a negative spirit that lives there and kind of talking about that puzzle. Like we had the psychic tell us about strangulation and then we go in there and one of the hot spots we get for the SLS is on the staircase. And, you know, there's theories about staircases being portals and things like that, but immediately below the staircase is a staircase to what was the basement. And last night I stuck my camera over and was just taking pictures of the basement, you know, just with the flash on. And one of the pictures, it looks clear as day. Like there's a body laying there. Like it, it's a dirt floor basement, you know? So now I'm thinking like, well, somebody strangled this house and buried in the bay. And I took like five photos and only one photo showed that like, you know, it looked, it looked like the rest of the basement was dry, but there was like this moisture outline. You could see the hands, you could see the face details in the picture. Um, it, it was pretty crazy. But now I'm like, well, now I got to figure out how to get in the basement and like do some stuff down there because is, is it everything seems like it comes from behind them on the staircase, but is it something reaching up from the basement? One time we were sitting there and we were throwing pennies into the basement. Hey, you know, here's a penny. You want this? And I threw it down there and like five seconds went by and then ding, ding, ding. It bounced three more times across the basement. Like I threw it, it settled. And then something picked it up and tossed it again. Wow. That gave me goosebumps. I don't know why. <laughs> what do you think it was like why? being there? <laughs> I don't know why out of all of these stories, something picking up a penny and throwing it. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you, I always feel like safe. I never get freaked out down there when I'm with a group. Like when I take these tours down there, I just take like one friend down there. Like I'm good, but I've gone down there before. Like it's December and I'm bored and my girlfriend's out of town and like, Hey, I'm just gonna drive down to Thurman see what's going on down there tonight. And like, I've driven down there and driven across the bridge, been like looking around and like, yeah, I'm not getting out the car. I'm going home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Or imagine like- walking that trail in the dark by yourself. Oh, gosh. That the, was the, the first investigation we ever did. Lola left her purse in the bus. This is why Lola doesn't ride the bus with us anymore. <laughs> Lola left her purse in the bus. And I had to like hike that trail back because she was like, she hiked and she's like, I'm not hiking back. I'm getting a ride out of here. And uh, 
I had to hike back to the bus by myself to get her purse while everybody else has finished up the last location spot. And man, it, whether I'm like, whether it's daytime, I get the same feeling there in daytime when I'm hiking that trail. It's always like somebody's behind me. Like always. somebody's like a hundred yards behind me. And it's always like looking over my shoulder, like what's going on here, you know? Well, I said always. I've only hiked it once, but the whole time, like even me and Connor were like, well, and a couple of other people in the group. You know, that's the cool thing about these investigations. You make friends while you're doing it. You know, you're you're constantly, especially like me, a, a conversationalist. I mean, you're you're trying to find out everything you can find out about the people around you, and of course, collect all their stories too. Um, but while we were walking, you know, I kept looking up at like these this rock outcropping above the the trail and i was like man it just feels like something's watching you like mm-hmm. it feels like something is i don't know it's this is going to sound like a, a kind of a dumb analogy but it's almost like these movies like, like these adventure movies or whatever that there's this sacred city or whatever that they're looking for but on the outskirts you have all these guardians and yeah. you know they're they're trying to keep people or they're 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 vetting people as they go in. That's what yeah. it feels like, man. It literally feels like as you're walking this trail that there's something watching. And and I got this feeling like you know what I have. A, if something here didn't like me going into here, I don't think that I would. Yeah, I, I, I always describe that feeling to people. If you ever seen Game of Thrones, a lot of people watch Game of Thrones. Awesome show. I can't remember the name of the castle, but there's a castle up by the wall that when you approach the castle, you're like down in a trench. Yeah. And all the guards are like above you on these cliffs looking down at you. So like if you were a threat, like you wouldn't be a threat anymore. They'd be able to take you out so quick. And when you're walking through that, that gore, that trail, that's the feeling I get. And there are places where it's cliffs on both sides of you. Yep. No, and you are down in that trench. You know, if there was something up there looking down at you, you know, there's been Mothman sightings in the gorge. You know, oh, right, be- right, right before COVID, right before COVID, there was one out at Long Point, and it was this black figure crouched down. It jumped up in the air, and you know, giant wingspan, red eyes, just like you know the Mothman sightings. So, like, whether you're talking about spirits or or anything paranormal, like it, it's weird to be out there in the dark, especially out there alone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's West Virginia, man. It's West Virginia. It's like supernatural hotspot of the U.S. I mean, it, it's <laughs> it's cryptid country. It, it really is, man. And, and a lot of it, you know, goes back to um, some of the ancient Native American tribes that lived here. You know, and if you know anything about talking about Mothman and, and Chief Cornstalk, you know, when he lost that battle, he cursed this land. Yep. And uh, a lot of people think that's why you get so much paranormal activity in West Virginia because of, uh, you know, some of the stuff the Native Americans were doing here. And and even going back to before the Europeans come into this area, um, the Native Americans were scared of West Virginia. There wasn't really any tribes that that lived and settled in this area. Um, There was a whole bunch of tribes that came here and it was like a sacred hunting ground. And, uh, you know, it was almost like a rite of passage to go on that that sacred hunting trip to this area and kind of go in the woods with the spirits for a couple of weeks. So uh, I don't know if there's something to that, you know, like I talked about the staircase being a portal and you, you read a lot of stuff about what attracts this this 
paranormal energy? Because I really think that it all boils down to energy. Everything is energy. We're energy. Everything around us is energy. It's all energy. And when we go away, the energy has to go somewhere. You know, it can't just dissipate. Um, and people talk about running water, you know, being a source of that paranormal energy. Well, right there next to Thurman, we got a class three rapid. We got the new river running pretty rapidly. Um, you also hear people talking about, um, like I call it the imprint theory where, you know, you have intelligent haunting, like we've been talking about where something's touching you or something's interacting with you and turning the light on. But there's also like unintelligent haunting where something happened. It might've been something traumatic, like somebody dying and that energy was expelled in such a fashion that it imprinted that in space and time. And if you're in the right spot under the right conditions and you catch that rift in space and time, you can kind of peer through it and you can see that person getting pushed off the railing, you know, just like you were watching a DVD and, and every so often under those conditions, it just replays itself. And, and doing some research, you know, I've learned that sandstone is kind of one of the, the best conduits for recording that spiritual energy. Um, you know, you talk about the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. I, I haven't heard you mention that. If you ain't been there, go there because that, that's one of my favorite places to investigate. Uh, but that whole building is made of sandstone, you know, and, and mm. when you go there and investigate, one of the things I've learned from doing investigations there, they think that a lot of that unintelligent haunting, those recordings that people can see and witness is because that sandstone makes a great recording device. The whole New River Gorge, the geology is sandstone. Wow. You know, so kind of these conditions are, are ripe. You know, the, the people that live there, the, the tough conditions they lived in, the energy that they would have expelled both in life and death. And, and now the geology is right. Now you got running water. Um, and it's kind of like a perfect storm. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit on something really early on. That as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, man, I got to ask this question. I just have to. You said now that area of Thurman is National Park Service. And Ryan probably already knows exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> How many missing persons cases have you guys had, you know, in, in the we'll just say general area? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, people that go missing here, you know, the. The woods of West Virginia are wild, uh, wide open. So if there are um, nefarious people out there, you know, that are going to do bad things and want somebody to disappear, this is the place to do it. You know, I, I, I like to be a good natured person. I'd never think about doing bad things with a person or, you know, bad things like that. But I'm a caver. There's caves in West Virginia that go on for 50 miles. Somebody ever got on my bad side and I needed to take care of somebody. Ain't nobody ever going to find that body. You know what I mean? So there are lots of places to make people disappear. Um, I talked about that haunted attraction we used to do. Um, and that haunted attraction for a number of years, our main character was called the Mad Butcher. And every other haunted attraction you could think of in the country probably had a Mad Butcher, right? Yeah. But here in Oak Hill, West Virginia, we had a real life Mad Butcher. They wrote a book about it. And the reason they call them the Mad Butcher is because they never found whole bodies. They just found arms or heads or pieces of bodies. Some people, they never found at all, but they still attribute them to the Mad Butcher. The Mad Butcher was never caught. Nobody was ever convicted for those murders. 
Uh, as far as we know, the Mad Butcher is a 90-year-old man that still walks amongst us today. Um, but yeah, I mean, wow. we we definitely get our, our fair share of that stuff going on around here. But yeah, nas- national parks, hot spots for disappearances. I mentioned caves. Uh, there is a really cool like map, side-by-side map comparison. And it shows like a dot for all the disappearances in the last like 20 years or whatever. And then the next map next to it shows a dot for all the cave systems in the U.S. And it might as well be the same exact map, you know? Yeah. So is, is Bat Boy coming out of the caves and scooping people up and pulling them down there? I don't know. You know, there's people that unfortunately drown in the new river every year. And we attribute this to people not wearing life jackets, PFDs, personal flotation devices. You know, being a raft guide, I've taken thousands of people rafting over the years. I brought every single person back. We run the biggest, baddest rapids in the gorge. There's people that go out there and jump in the river right in front of Thurman. It's nice and calm. There might be a little bit of current, but nothing that you would consider a rapid. They go under. Nobody ever sees them again. You know, so the New River is a big river. There's a lot of current. It's dangerous. If you don't know what you're doing, especially if you're not wearing a life jacket, like there's something to that. But there's something in the back of my head that when I'm out there on my paddleboard, by myself and nobody's around i'm not dangling my feet down in the water <laughs> i'm there like river jaws beaver sharks I, subconscious i i don't know but it makes you think you know like you know we all you gotta have an open mind you know like i said at the beginning of this i don't know if it's ghosts or spirits or energy or cryptids are real or you know loch ness monster is real but they're cool stories and there's something in our subconscious that that draws us to these things and and has fears of these things and and i don't know it's interesting it's been interesting to me my my girlfriend thinks otherwise she she laughs at me and tells me not to bring anything home with me at night she don't want no part of it but <laughs> yeah that's uh that's my wife too she does she doesn't want any part of any of this at all so you know <laughs> That's why it's always me and Connor, and uh, we just we take our you little the boys, guy, me and the boys, <laughs> yeah, just take our little guy trips, and all the girls stay at home and do whatever they do, you know, paint each other's nails and put makeup on and <laughs> have sandwiches waiting on us when we get home. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> all you feminists out there, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> but no, man, it's you know you mentioned the natives and 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 the talking of the. You know, the, them thinking West Virginia was cursed. Well, that's that's our area, too. That's a lot of Kentucky. You know, you have this this span of Appalachia that goes, you know, almost the entire state. Well, Appalachia is, you know, the entire state of West Virginia is mm-hmm. the only state. Entirely in the, in the Appalachian Mountains. It is entirely in the Appalachian Mountains. But it's almost like you have from uh, southeastern Ohio to down into western North Carolina. That area in particular along the Appalachian ridgelines that the natives, that there were no settlements. You know, they just, they can't, like you said, it was sacred hunting grounds. They would come in and, and farm a little bit, you know, do a lot of this different stuff. But there were really no settlements. You had yeah, nomadic, yeah, you had nomadic bands of of Cherokee and Shawnee and, and all these different tribes that would come in and do what they needed to do for resources. Yeah. But it was dark and bloody ground is what they called it. Unless you want to get into the mound builders, but that's like a whole nother episode. Cause that's like, you know, there's mounds in Charleston an hour away from here that they say they found like 12 foot aliens in and things like that. Uh, so yeah. That's a whole nother element. Like 
paranormal alien who knows it's yeah, interesting that's... though like i said it, it, the the more you go down the rabbit hole the, mo- the more questions you have you know you you never answer a question you just get two or three more questions that's it that's it well <laughs> if you want to hear a little bit about the mound builders go check out our episode with <laughs> we'll do a little plug in here go check out our episode with uh adam stokes it's called ancient america a giant conspiracy Heck yeah, I haven't listened to that one of yours yet, so I have to go back in the archives and dig that one up. Check that one out. We talked to a, a guy, Adam Stokes. He's a scholar. Uh, like he's like this dude is legit. He's got receipts, and you know he believes not just to keep it just paraphrase. He believes that there was a lot of civilizations here in North America and this area and where these mounds are well before and and coexisted with the natives that we know of. And he believes that a few of these civilizations here were giants. They were giants that, that migrated from the Mediterranean or uh, like Mesopotamia. That's what I'm trying to go with Mesopotamia area, Egypt, um, you know, Turkey, this, this entire area across a land bridge to the U.S., you know, or North America in general, and he believes that the evidence is there for these mounds that they that they came from there. That they were giants, yeah. and, and because giant skeletons have been found, uh, you know, the government has covered up a lot of that that stuff. Yeah. A lot of those. There's findings. a lot of Cherokee stories about yep. uh, giants down there in Western North Carolina. Oh yeah, well, there's yeah. Cherokee stories about the giants and the little people. You know, like oh yeah, the little people, yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Like you hear all this this ancient stuff, and I'm the I'm the type of person that I believe that no matter how much a story is fabricated or, or whatever, where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, that's that we say that on here all the time. With it, with every legend, with every myth, with every piece of folklore, there's always I believe there's always at least a seed of truth in there that got these people thinking and, and passing this story on down the line, you yeah. know, whether it's fabricated that there was this entire uh, community or, or this nomadic tribe of thousands of giants roaming across North America. I don't know. I don't know, but there's evidence there that show or that, that kind of back up that these mounds probably weren't built by the Adena or the, the Hopi people because they wouldn't have really had the time or the resources or to, to be able to do it. Yeah. Not, not to mention the giant skeletons that were found in the mounds. Yeah, exactly. Right. That was right here in Charleston. I think they scanned one of them and there was 12 foot skeletons that they found at the bottom of them. Yeah. Well, dude, Thomas Jefferson talks about in documentation about giants. He, uh, and Thomas Abraham. Jefferson was really into archeology span and, and bone studies. There being a caver, there's uh the West Virginia State fossil is named after Thomas Jefferson, the uh, oh, Megalonyx Jeffersoni. It's a giant ground sloth. They found an entire skeleton. I mean, it's like an eight foot tall, claws six inches, uh, and they sent it to Thomas Jefferson, and he's the one that identified it, and got it named after him. You know, so you know, he was the guy that people were sending these these samples to and these fossils to back at that time. And and uh, you know, you talk about the government covering it up. What a better person to send it to than to the government, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Where's that's everything it. go now? Goes to the Smithsonian. 
Yep. You know, so well, there's, uh, there's so many accounts of, you know, people finding things and then Smithsonian just coming in and swooping it up and it's never heard of again. Yeah. Well, if I find something in a cave, I'll come to you first. Absolutely. That'd be great. <laughs> we don't usually do breaking news here, but we'll do breaking news. for <laughs> that, that would one. be breaking news. <laughs> yes, it would. That'd be <laughs> awesome. But no, man, it's just awesome. The, the area that we live in, you know, we talk about on here all the time. You know, we we started out and at first we were like, oh, man, how are we just supposed to 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 mainly revolve around Appalachian, the weird stuff there. But the more you do it and the deeper you go and dig, dude, we could go on for the next 10 years dropping an episode every week and still not cover all of the weird in Appalachian. Oh, we just spawned off five topics in the last five minutes of conversation, you know, aliens, mound builders, like the list goes on and on, you know, you just, you go down the rabbit hole and you, you ask one question and you come back with three more. Yeah. Like I said, which is what keeps it so interesting. What's keep, that's what keeps me coming back to Thurmond is every time we go down there, something happens, something, you know, there's another piece of that puzzle. There's, Oh, now I got to go to the basement, you know, what's going on in the basement. Uh, now we got to go check out this house, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's nuts. It's wild. But I appreciate what you guys are doing there, not only with allowing the public to come in and, and check these places out and to do these investigations. And, you know, you guys, you supply the equipment to use. You know, you, you're you encouraging, hey, take pictures, take video, take audio, take whatever you want to do. You know, it's not expensive at all for a six-hour investigation. I mean – I would really, really encourage the people out there, take heed to what I'm saying and, and say, if you're into the weird, you've got to go check this place out. And not only that, you've got to go on one of these tours with Chris and his staff because you're not going to get the experience by yourself that, that you're going to get with them. You're just not. I mean, I had a great time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, like I said, I'll post some of the pictures and and some of the, the stuff that we got from there, I'll post the link to the YouTube video that was taken um, the entire time. You know, Lola's son, Max, she she videoed the entire time, and it's 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 on there ready to go. Um, so you guys go check this stuff out, man. I mean, it's it's super interesting. You've heard from Chris tonight. Like, it's, it's something all the time. It's something all the time. <laughs> something all the time, yeah. I get – I get disappointed that we'll hit up four locations. And if something doesn't happen in all those locations, I'm like, Oh man, like nothing happened in the red house tonight, but something happened at the depot and something happened on main street. Something happened up at the Erskine house, you know? So, you know, it's, it's cool to hear you guys say, you know, you've been to all yeah. these places and like, this is, is ranks up there as one of the top. That's it's awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like when we were in Waverly, what I felt wasn't good. Like there was, uh, it was, it was bad. Like yeah, it was a bad feeling. Like we need to get out of here. I'm done with this. I'm done with this whole thing. <laughs> but as far as just collecting evidence and, and saying or, or, or seeing for yourself, you know what, there, there's probably something behind the veil that we're not even really all that sure of. Dude, this is one of the places to go. I'm telling you, I'm telling you folks out there, this, this is one of the places to go really is chris it's been a pleasure having you on here um we're gonna have to do this again sometime because i think i, I just had as much fun in that last 10 minutes just spitballing different topics about appalachia <laughs> we're just gonna have to do that one day yeah just, we're gonna have to go on a, a tour somewhere else now 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and I got a few in my back pocket here too. Uh, you know, we're, we've been doing Thurman for the last number of years and we're, we're always going to do Thurman. And it, it's, it's not something that we do every weekend. You know, it's not like a lot of these places you go to Waverly and they're doing investigations probably every night in the summertime, you know? Yeah. Uh, we do the Thurman investigation twice a year. Uh, we do it typically in July. We do it in September. Um, and again, it's, it's about being respectful. It's about being respectful of people that live in Thurman, to the spirits in Thurman. You know, like I'm not trying to go down there and bring a group of 20 people every night up in this town that people live in. You know, yeah. probably wouldn't let me come in those houses every night. Um, so, so it's something special when we get to do it. But like I said, there's 30, 40 some towns in the New River Gorge. And there's these historical towns like Fayetteville. And there's like an old jail that you know has been around since the late 1800s um there's an old hotel in Fayetteville that's been around since the late 1800s um we talked about the coal mines and the company store um there's some company stores around here that like hundreds of people have died in you know and like I talked about the mines owning the town you know they own the store or the house you live in they own the police so a lot of these towns are really corrupt in how they operate and if they didn't like you talking smack about you, know, you have a bad day at work. You might say a few choice words about your boss. Man, you better hope nobody heard you in, in some of these towns because the boss have you knocked off, Tony Soprano style, you know, <laughs> and, and there was no law. There was nobody to ask questions because he owned the police. Yeah. Um, so there's some locations that we have in our back pocket and and we're working on, um, you know, getting into. So hopefully in the next year or so, we'll be doing some paranormal investigations in some other locations. Um, so yeah, you guys have to come check those out with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can count me in for sure. Heck but yeah. No, no Chris, I'll let you know when they get going. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, again, it's been a pleasure. I'm, I'm so thankful that you were able to come on here and dude, I just, I love, we're going to have to do this again. I love your energy. I love your knowledge. I love, you know, what you bring information wise to the show I mean, I, I really enjoyed this. I've, re, I've I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. But before we jump off here, anything that you want to plug, you know, to to anything, anything at all that you want the people out there to know about, uh, and just you come, come see us. Come explore the New River Gorge. Like I said, if 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 you've never been here before, you are missing out. If you have been here before, there's there's something that you haven't seen or you haven't done. Um, of course, Ace Adventure Resort, where I work at, where I live. Um, I love this place. It's it's an awesome family here. Um, some of the best whitewater rafting that you can find in the entire world. Um, I know everybody's not an adrenaline junkie like me. You know, everybody wants to jump on a raging river uh, and jump out there and paddle. So and we got something for everybody. Like, we'll take you out in Summersville Lake and float around on a pontoon boat and work on our suntan. You know, we'll go stand up paddleboard on the lake. We'll take you on a hike. We'll go zip lining. Uh, we'll lounge or let you lounge around. We'll come with you, but I'll let you lounge around in the hot tub on your cabin porch. Um, there's <laughs> just, we do so much stuff here. Um, and it's really, if you're into the outdoors, if you're into, you know, recreation, uh, this is, this is the place it's, it, you know, I said, we're all here cause we want to be here. You know, I, I, that billion dollar mega millions just happened. Last weekend, and my, we bought a ticket. My girlfriend said, well, what would you do if you won? And I said, I'd buy Ace. <laughs> and she said, you, that's the first thing you say. You'll buy Ace. She's like, not 
you'll go on vacation or you'll, we live in a school bus. So like that, we'll buy a house. It's like, we'll buy eights. Like, so I can do it the way I want to do it. You know, like that's, this is what I love to do. And if I had a billion dollars, this is what I'd be doing. So come here and check it out. You, you won't be disappointed. Nobody ever is. Yeah. That's awesome. tears, a little tear in my eye thinking about it. Cause I, I really do. Like, I love this place and I, I love sharing it with people that come here. Man, that's awesome. That got me fired up. <laughs> I'm ready to move right now. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm, I'm just, Dude, I'm, you, you would not be the first person. Like I said, multiple people <laughs> who have come here on a rafting trip with me now live a mile down the street and work here. And it, it like, it, it changes people's lives coming here. It really does. Yeah. Let me change your life. <laughs> yeah. That that's should be the new model. Let me change your life. Come to, <laughs> come to ACE. Let me change your life. Yeah. It really does that. I mean, it's, it kind of sounds corny or, or whatever, but. <laughs> You know, we, we do. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, again, this has been a great conversation. Thanks so much for coming on. And, uh, I mean, we really appreciate it, man. We really do. We yeah, wish thanks. you the best. We wish Ace the best. Thanks we so talk- much for having me. It was a, a great conversation. It was just like kind of kicking back with some old friends. I felt like uh, I've known you all forever here. Um, so if I can ever do anything for you, you want to come visit us again, you just shout out and we should take care of. Sounds great, man. That sounds great. Well, Chris, we appreciate it. Hill folk, until next time, we'll see y'all later.